Well, hey, welcome to the Walk On Podcast. Following Jesus is a journey, and I hope this podcast helps you take your next step. Well, hey, Walk On friends. Here's another installment of the Fear Not series. With this series, we're trying to take a look at things in the Bible that can honestly be a little scary, right? Some scriptures that if we read them through a lens of fear or condemnation, they they can impact how we see God and interact with him. And I want to take time to address these scriptures because I firmly believe that the good news really is good news. When the angels appeared to the shepherds the night Jesus was born, they declared, fear not, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Yet our relationship with God can easily become based in fear instead of joy. And I found over the years of conversations with people that much of that fear is fueled by the way that we read scripture, right? We can read it through a lens of fear or condemnation, and that brings one picture of God and it impacts how we interact with him. Or we can read it through a lens of love and joy and grace. Your lens or your basic set of assumptions about who God is impacts how you interpret and live out those confusing and difficult scriptures. And so why am I so adamant about approaching scripture with a lens of love and joy? Well, I think 1 John 4 reminds us to let love be the way that we relate to God. In verse 16, it says this, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And that's what this series is about. We can wrestle with these difficult passages of scripture because honestly, we have nothing to fear. We have a God who's for us and loves us And that gives us confidence. Before we dig into this episode's topic, I just want to let you know that I would love to hear from you. I have a handful of scriptures that people have asked me over the years that I plan to cover in this Fear Not series, but I would love for you to contribute to this series as well. So what are some of the confusing or scary scriptures that you've wrestled with? What are some of the things that you would love to hear addressed on this podcast? I would love to dig into those in future episodes. So email me at brent at walkonpodcast.com. That's B-R-E-N-T at walkonpodcast.com. Email me and, and let me know what some of those things in the Bible might be that, that are a little scary or confusing or might bring fear to you or people that you've talked to. Uh, I'd love to take those as topics and talk about them in future episodes. Um, so you can help contribute to that. Or if you want, just email me and say, hey, let me know who you are and what's going on in your world. Okay. On to our topic at hand, fear not. And this episode's topic is a big one, the unforgivable sin. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people ask about this. What's the unforgivable sin? How do I know if I've committed the unforgivable sin? Before we dig in, I just want to acknowledge these aren't flippant questions that people are asking, right? It's, they, they, they carry a weight to them, don't they? That's why these kind of things bring worry. And it's worth acknowledging that underneath all of those questions is is fear, right? Fear that you or someone you love maybe has done something wrong. You know, you maybe committed this unforgivable sin and it will keep you from heaven. And, and all of that fear is understandable. And I just wanted to acknowledge the seriousness and the weight of questions like this. 
But remember, remember that scripture in 1 John, perfect love expels all fear. So as we dig into this, let's, let's set aside that fear for a moment and begin to wrestle through scripture with the confidence knowing that God's for us and, and we have God's love as the foundation of, of how we approach these scriptures. So where does this idea of the unforgivable sin come from? Well, it comes from what Jesus says uh, in Matthew 12 and Mark 3. And this is what he says in uh, Matthew 12, verse 31. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. So yeah, on the surface, that's kind of a scary thing, right? It's understandable why this scripture can bring some fear. The, the idea of not being forgiven is scary. Then let's be honest, like it's really not all that clear. What exactly does it mean to speak against the spirit? You know, it, it doesn't spell that out very clearly. So the ambiguity adds another layer of fear because well, how do I know if I've done it or not? You know, maybe I've done it and I don't realize it. So what's going on here? What's Jesus trying to get at? And how are we supposed to engage with these words? Well, I don't have all the answers, but let me approach this the best that I can. I want to look at two things. The first, we're going to look at context. And then the second, we're going to look at heart conditions. All right, so let's dive into context. I can't overemphasize the importance of understanding context when you come to these confusing passages. Digging into what's going on in that setting, what's the flow of the book, who's being addressed, why are they being addressed? When you dig into that context, it sheds light on so many confusing situations. So what's the context for these words where Jesus talks about speaking against the Spirit and not being forgiven? Well, the thing that sticks out the most to me when you look at this context is that when Jesus speaks these words about speaking against the Holy Spirit, he's not giving a teaching to a whole crowd of people. He's directly addressing a specific group of Pharisees. All right, so here's the context. Jesus is in the middle of his public ministry and tension has been building with some of the Pharisees. And at the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples, as they're walking through a wheat field, just kind of pluck some wheat with their hand and throw it in their mouth. And the Pharisees see this and accuse him of breaking their religious laws. And then right after that, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath to further prove his point that it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he engages in this debate with the Pharisees. And he's not challenging the law of Torah, but he's challenging the hard heart with which the Pharisees hold to their interpretation of the law. Their interpretation puts these rules above people. And then just a little bit later, we see that Jesus heals another person. He heals a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and now the man can see and can talk. And you have to understand that these aren't random healings. Jesus is doing something specific here. He's pointing people back to the promises that God has made to the Jewish people, letting them know that God's kingdom is coming. We see in, in the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 4 to 6, Isaiah says this. He says, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Well, there's that do not fear thing again as a side note. <laughs> he says, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and divine retribution for your enemies. He will come to save you. 
Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. So as Isaiah is, is giving this glimpse ahead to this future promise, he says that, that God coming, bringing his kingdom to, to save his people will be marked by these healings, the blind being able to see and the deaf being able to hear and the mute being able to speak and the lame being healed. And so as Jesus does these healings, he's healing in a very specific way to point back to these promises of Isaiah 35. He's revealing that God is on the move and that his kingdom is coming. Now these Pharisees get a front row seat to seeing these healings, to seeing the, the kingdom of God coming. These Pharisees who know God's word, who know the words of Isaiah, and they're seeing it lived out in Jesus. How do these Pharisees respond? Well, when Jesus heals the demon-possessed man, they look at Jesus and they claim that he's doing these things by the power of Satan. They see Jesus trying to point to the work that God's doing in the world of his coming kingdom. And they say, no, that's not God. That, that's from Satan. Jesus takes a moment and he begins to address those Pharisees specifically. And he talks directly to them. He talks about how what they're saying can't make sense. That why would Satan drive himself out if he was doing these things, if Jesus was healing by the power of Satan? He says, you know, like a kingdom divided can't stand. He lets them know that it's by the power of the Spirit of God that he's doing these things and that the kingdom of God is here. And then it's here in this setting that Jesus talks to them about how anyone who speaks against the Spirit won't be forgiven. So you have to understand the context. Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees who have just witnessed these miracles showing that Isaiah's promises are coming to fruition. And these Pharisees are not just missing God's work in the world, they are actively opposed to it. Jesus said it's by God's spirit that he drives out these demons and heals people. And the Pharisees are speaking against that spirit that brought freedom and healing, and they are calling it evil. So, so that's the context. Jesus' words about the unforgivable sin are not a broad teaching to all people, they are a sharp rebuke to religious leaders of his day who were directly opposing God's work in the world and calling it evil. That's the context. So now, let me talk just a little bit about heart conditions. Here's a word for you. Arteriosclerosis. You can say that 10 times fast. Arteriosclerosis is a physical condition. It's the hardening of our arteries due to plaque buildup and, and other things. It restricts the flow of blood through those arteries and it can lead to a heart attack, right? Our, our hearts and our arteries can become physically hardened. The same is true for our hearts spiritually. Our hearts can become spiritually hardened. They can restrict the flow of what God is wanting to do in us and through us. The, the Bible talks about this in a lot of different ways. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, as he's giving a message of hope, he talks about how God will restore his people, and he describes it this way in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So through Ezekiel, God is acknowledging that his people can have a hard heart a heart of stone. But 
through his spirit working in them, he can change those hearts into hearts of flesh. Soft hearts are a result of the spirit at work. So here's where Jesus' words to the Pharisees come into play. When these Pharisees are opposed to what Jesus is doing by the power of the Spirit of God, they are denying and they are opposed to the very Spirit that works to soften hearts. They have hard hearts and they are unwilling to yield to God's work in the world. So I wonder if the idea of unforgiveness is really talking about the status of their heart that they aren't in a position to even be aware of God's work in the world, and they are denying the very thing that would soften their heart in the first place to lead them to a point of repentance. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases the scripture in the message translation. He says, when you reject the Holy Spirit, you're sawing off the branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity all connection to the one who forgives sawing off the branch on which you're sitting. I think that's an apt metaphor for what's going on here in the Pharisees' hearts. These Pharisees, they're seeing God's Spirit at work in the world, and yet they are so hard-hearted that they are opposing the very Spirit that desires to soften their heart and lead them to repentance, to lead them to a point to accept that forgiveness. So we already talked about how what Jesus is saying was to a specific group of people in a specific situation. It wasn't a broad teaching to all people for all time. My opinion, and you can disagree with me, but my opinion is that Jesus' words here about not being forgiven now or for the age to come, I I think those words are a, a type of prophetic hyperbole. He's saying something in a dramatic way to get their attention and to convey the seriousness of their hard hearts, right? It's the same way that he talks about how if your right hand causes you to sin, you should cut it off. I don't know of any churches who are chopping off hands of sinners. Yet Jesus' words, as he talks about that, convey the serious nature of the sin, That's the nature of hyperbole. You say something in this dramatic way to help people realize the impact, the importance, the seriousness of it. I think that's what's happening here. I don't think that this rebuke by Jesus is a declaration that these particular Pharisees are destined to hell. I think it's meant to reveal to them the hardness of their hearts. And it's meant to function as a dire warning that the position they take is diametrically opposed to God's work in the world. When Jesus says that they won't be forgiven in this age or the age to come, he's revealing the characteristics of God's coming kingdom. He's saying, hey, Pharisees, if you don't like what you're seeing now, you're not going to like the age to come because what I'm doing now is just a glimpse of what's going to be true in the fullness of God's kingdom. So could it be that the condition of the Pharisees' hearts is what's keeping them from being forgiven. Not that God is withholding forgiveness, but that the Pharisees won't experience forgiveness because they will never meet the simple, invaluable, soft-hearted condition for experiencing it, repentance. So is this making any sense? I hope that you're tracking with me. Right. So when we see the broader context of what's going on in this passage of Scripture, We realize the issue Jesus is speaking to is the heart condition of some of the Pharisees in that moment. 
in his statement functions as a serious warning meant to convey the consequences of a hard heart. He's not saying that there's a specific action that will destine somebody to hell, but that a hardened heart opposed to God's work in the world results in unforgiveness because that hard heart keeps one from repenting and seeking forgiveness. And ultimately, that forgiveness flows from Christ. And so if you're opposed to Christ, you're not going to be seeking the forgiveness that he offers. And we have to remember that these words were spoken to a specific group of people in a specific context. Jesus' words don't apply to all people for all time. His words don't even apply to all Pharisees, right? I mean, we see in the book of Acts that there are Pharisees who come to follow Jesus. There are Pharisees that have a soft heart. And then let's look at Paul. The apostle Paul is a perfect example. He was a Pharisee and he was diametrically opposed to God's work in the early church. He had a hard heart and he was doing all he could to stop the followers of Jesus arresting them and throwing them in jail and holding the coats of those who are stoning the followers of Jesus. But then Paul met Jesus himself and he experienced what Ezekiel promised, that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Paul changed his direction and then became one of the biggest advocates for the way of Jesus. And so we see in Paul that hard hearts can change. Okay, I've said a lot of things. I've rambled on probably a little bit. And let's boil this down because you're probably asking, okay, what does this mean for me? Well, this is the first thing I want you to know. Breathe easy. Jesus wasn't talking to you. You are not at risk of committing the unforgivable sin. Secondly, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the unforgivable sin is something you could commit today. But the fact that you're worried about committing it tells me that you won't. Hearts hardened against Jesus don't go around worrying about those kind of things. And I don't think the unforgivable sin is just something you might accidentally stumble into. And so what I want you to know is to fear not. Don't let fear and worry keep you from seeing God's extravagant grace. You have to understand that we stand on the other side of the cross today. And so we look at Jesus' words to the Pharisees through the lens of grace. And the truth of the gospel is that Jesus took on all sin and he has victory over it all. The Spirit of God is alive and active and is available to you. And the story of Paul reminds us that there is no heart that God can't soften. We have these promises in Scripture. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's no caveat there. He's faithful and will forgive. And in that same letter, in the next chapter, in chapter two, John says this, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hear that inclusive language. Christ's forgiveness, what he did on the cross, applies to everyone across the whole globe. Whether you believe and follow Christ or not, that forgiveness is available to you. 
And in Colossians chapter one, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So fear not, there is grace and forgiveness in Christ. And there is nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God that is found in Christ. Now, if there is anything to challenge us in Jesus' words to the Pharisees, it's this. We should take the condition of our hearts seriously. A soft heart positions us to experience the forgiveness, grace, and love of God to the full extent. And a hard heart causes us to miss out on the goodness of God's work in the world. We can live out of step with his spirit and out of step with the way of Christ. But don't take a fatalistic view on this. Even the hardest of hearts can change. That's the power of what my friend calls God's nagging grace. God's patiently persistent, faithful grace. He's waiting with open arms for the prodigal to come home. That's the good news of Jesus. There is hope. And the good news really is good news. So fear not. So may you live in the goodness of God. May you understand that his perfect love can cast out all fear and that God is for you. He loves you. And there is forgiveness waiting for everyone to receive. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at brent at walkonpodcast.com. Also, be sure to share this episode with anybody you think would enjoy it. Uh, Leave a rating and a review on your podcast provider that helps other people find this podcast. And then if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so that every time a new episode comes out, it'll be right there waiting for you. Thank you so much.